Hi, this is Gene McNaughton, and welcome to the Sales Edge Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sales Edge. We have another exciting episode. I have with me today, and for your listening pleasure and learning pleasure, the sales samurai, Sam Capra. Now, if you haven't heard of this guy or you haven't seen his work on LinkedIn specifically, which is where he's making a lot of positive noise on LinkedIn, this guy is a lifelong sales student and an expert in the B2B space. Now, for more than 20 years in various sales roles running many industries, specifically in the SaaS, software as a service world, he has spent time with startups and enterprise level organizations. Today, he's currently the VP of sales for a group called Flex Engage Retail, which is all about the name of the game for why you're listening and why we're all here is how do we hunt more ideal clients? How do we win them? How do we keep them? How do we grow them? How do we overserve them so they become customers for lives and great referral engines for us? I mean, that's the name of the game. That's why we're here. And that's why I went out and got the sales samurai, Sam Capra. Sam, how you doing, brother? Hey, Gene, man. How are you, man? It's a pleasure to be with you tonight or today, <laughs> depending on where we're at in the country. I think it's daytime, your coast, not getting close to nighttime, my coast. Dude, where did the sales samurai come from? I mean, I, I, you can never forget that, the sales samurai. I'm thinking of like John Belushi back in the Saturday Night Live days. That's what I think about with samurai, but you have a complete different meaning for it. Can you elaborate on sales samurai, where that came from? Yeah, I'll keep it pretty short and sweet. I mean, A, I thought it sounded cool, so I'm, I'm not going to take a whole lot of credit. I thought it was a cool name. Uh, but B, I was always a big Art of War fan by Sun Tzu, and it really talked about you know the, the samurai being the elite of their time. And I think today that's more relevant than ever for the sales professional constantly having to improve and keep up in today's ever-changing landscape. So that's where it came from, Gene. One of the ways that we got together was, um, and I'm so glad we connected, Sam, it's going to be huge value for the audience, is I saw that survey you did on LinkedIn, and you asked a very simple question, and this survey thing on LinkedIn is a big deal lately, and oh, yes. if you're listening right now, yeah, people that listening right now, if you're on LinkedIn, and if you're not, you're crazy, I know you are, because that's probably how you got to listen to this podcast, is um, these surveys. And Sam did a very simple survey that's got me. I want you to talk about the data and all that stuff. But the question asked, and this is a great one that everybody should be thinking about, which is you um, talked on LinkedIn about when making a cold call, should you call somebody's cell phone? But talk about the feedback you got. And I want you to talk about the learnings because that has got to be a question on the minds of people listening right now. Yeah, Gene, you know, I appreciate you asking, and, and thanks for, I saw your comment on the, the survey as well, so I, I appreciate you sharing, uh, sharing that. Um, you know, I, I really just did that because it came from my own experience, right? I received a call from a salesperson, I'm a VP of sales, it happens all the time, they're trying to sell me something, they call me on my cell phone, I, I don't really post my cell phone anywhere, because I, I feel that's a real intimate channel. And it, they caught me at a bad time, to be honest with you. It was just not a great day. And, you know, I was not the most pleased. Let's just say that. I, I probably, they probably burned a bridge with me, for lack of better terminology. And so I just put it out to my network. Hey, what do you guys think about this? I, only not, I not only want to hear from the salespeople, but I actually want to hear from the people that are receiving the calls. 
And you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it's been live for just around five days, I think. And it's received over 300 votes. It's received over 10,000 views. Pretty staggering, the discrepancy between the votes. So, uh, but it's been pretty powerful. I'm happy to walk you through it. But that's kind of where it stemmed from, to be quite candid with you, Gene. Where did, what were the best learnings you got? What, what are you finding? And I read yeah. through the comments and half people say, yes, yeah. do it. Some say you shouldn't be in this industry if you're not doing it. And some people yeah. said, no way, don't ever do it. You know what? The, the learnings may seem skewed. It, it may seem like it's a landslide. And yes, you should call people a cell phone. It's 70%. I think last time I checked, 69%. Yes, 31%. No. But, you know, as I have, as I'm the administrator of that survey, I can kind of peel back or pull back the uh, covers a bit more. And when you really look at who's saying yes versus who's saying no, that's really where the disconnect is at, Gene. And what I mean by that is, you know, all the salespeople are saying, yes, yes, yes. You're not a real salesperson unless you do. You know, the old mentality of dial for dollars, the old way of doing things versus you look at the no's and they're primarily the prospects. I mean, I'm looking at VP of marketing right now, a CMO right now, head of IT, and they're all saying no. And so that really tells you a fundamental gap between our ideal of how we want to sell versus how someone wants to be, you know, how someone wants to buy. And there's a huge discrepancy because we think that's the right channel, but people are quite evidently saying, no, don't do that. That's an intimate channel for me. Don't bother me on that channel or you're going to burn a bridge. And I, and I think that's probably the biggest learning I, I picked up from that is not the skew of 70-30, but just who's giving us those no's versus yeses. You know, if you think about it, Sam, it's like if like, like for me, building a small business, I have my personal cell phone number on my business cards. Right. And I publicize that because if somebody needs the service that we have or somebody has right. the problem we solve, I want to be able to get to them right away. Now, that has opened me up for lots of solicitation. When yeah. you officially start a business and you get your licenses and you're applying for things like equipment and you're interviewing and hiring people, every person selling something and their brother is calling you and calling again and again and again. But here's what I would say is it, it's not about how do I creatively touch base with somebody in five different ways? What do we got? We got email, we got text, we got social media DMs. You've got calling the office number, You've got leaving messages on voicemails, but yep. you know, the truth is it's not all these, you know, nine different creative ways to get in contact with somebody. The truth is, is that you got to be buttoned up for a, if the conversation takes place, are you going to say something that intrigues them enough to say, tell me more right, or right. B you leave the voicemail that basically articulates we work with this type of people in this type of company that is receiving or, or, or experiencing this type of problem. And if that's you, let's talk. Right. And, and you can leave that message two times, three times, four times, and you creatively edify the same points. Right. But what, as a, me being a buyer, what I care about is, okay, I'll listen to that little 30 second voicemail. And somebody gets to the point and says, we help companies solve this problem. Or we help companies achieve this objective. And if that exists and I'm experiencing that, I'm going to make the phone call. I'm going to return the email. I'm going to request a 15-minute, at least a demo or yep. observation. 
But if it's not, I'm not going to take the time to call somebody back and say thanks, but no thanks. Right. What's Without a doubt. You, but you but elaborate on that because I, th I think, you know, newer or less tenured sellers just, I'm going to keep smiling and dialing. I'm going to call the same personally, the same message. And if you know you've got a, a, pro a, a solution to a problem or most companies are doing something one way in terms of the patterns of business and you've got a new widget or wadget or a yep. way to help them improve what really matters to decision makers are return on investment, profitability, top line revenue, or saving time of which to do that. If, if you, you got to be able to articulate that. Right. What's your take? No, Gene, I think you hit the nail on the head and, and, and you, you're right. I mean, it's not a, it's the old way of thinking of it. It's just a numbers game, right? If I make a hundred dials, I'm going to get to 20 contacts. I'm going to get two appointments and I'll have a close ratio of 20%. That's how I'm going to hit a quota. It was all numbers, numbers, numbers. And not to say activity is a moot point or it's a, it's a stupid metric. I don't think that necessarily, but there's gotta be a method to the madness as well. Right. I mean, to your point, what are you saying if you do get Sam on the line? What's the very first five seconds? What's the very first 10 seconds? How do you capitalize on that time that you have them? Especially if it happens to be on a cell phone, which you don't know what he's doing. Is he running in to a doctor's appointment, going to see his kid at, you know, for lunch at her school? Like there's so many things that could be happening outside the normal purview of a day-to-day -day business day, I should say. But those things all matter, right? So you know, we brought that up earlier. I think we were talking offline. We were talking about, you know, it's not just what you're saying. Like, how can I resonate with you, Sam, in the very first five to 10 seconds? And that really comes down, Gene, to what have I done in preparation for this call? Now, there's over-preparation, and we can go down that rabbit hole at another time, but you should know enough, either from working in the same industry, talking to similar companies, that you know kind of what the pain points are that you can push on to try and get the next call, right? That's when you're on a call, when you're cold calling, the goal is not to sell you. It's typically to get to the meeting, get to the next appointment, if you will. So what, what are you saying? And then you mentioned it earlier when we were offline, a lot of it has to do with timing. You know, what that kid had to sell me on my cell phone could have been exactly what I'm looking for, but just wasn't the right time. I was running into the grocery store, I think, trying to buy something from my wife and do something. It just wasn't the right time. Now, if he would have caught me an hour early sitting at my desk, you know, finishing up some emails and he would have happened to call me on my cell phone, that might've been a great time. So I think th th there's a little bit of, you've got to know what you're going to say, but you also, and this is a little bit out of our control, you, you've also got to have some luck from a timing standpoint. And that's where the repetition does come in, right? You've got to also know when to cut bait and keep fishing. It's okay. I've always told my reps, uh, I, I'm, yes is not the only answer I want to hear. I, I'm happy you tell me no. I can move on if you tell me no. Where you get stuck is in that minutia of, well, I can't reach them. So let me just keep beating down their doors when I don't even really think there's anything for us to sell or for them to really buy, if you will. You know, one of my favorite things that I learned from a guy named Tom Searcy, who wrote a book called The Whale Hunter. Right. To, to be strong enough, mentally strong enough to be able to say a hard no is better than a soft maybe. Without a doubt. If you know that 
a problem exists. Let's say that you've discovered they're, they're the company struggling with whatever, and you say, look, we help solve this problem. I want to be able to share with you how we've done it for other organizations like yours. And then we can decide if we move on from there or not. And then you do the meeting and they say, this sounds good. We'll get back to you. They don't. And then now you're following up and you've put it on your pipeline report. And now yeah. somebody that has nothing to do with this is, is on your case to say, hey, where are you at with this? And where are you at with that? Oh, I'm still waiting to hear, right? I mean, that, that that's like fingernails on a chalkboard. Hey, to hey Gene, what, what is that called? That That's called pipe dream versus pipeline, right? <laughs> pipe dream, pipeline. But, but you know, I, I have done this. I've, I've sent the note and said, look, are, is this still a problem? Are you still looking to solve this problem? And I'll say, if I talk to them, I said, look, just we're okay. If it's a no, that's fine. A hard no is better than a soft maybe because the maybe keeps it on the pipeline. And if it's on the oh, pipeline yeah. and you've got, you know, a, a management group that that is, you know, at least average at best, they're looking at the pipeline, they're asking for inspection points. And this deal is stuck in, you know, 20 days out in, you know, opportunity phase with no action step, then right. as a seller, you've got to be able to say, look, just if this is a no, that's fine. If this is a not now, that's fine, but let's get to it. And yeah. I found I've done that. And in almost all cases, they've said, you know what, we got sidelined because, or we got sidetracked because of this, They're, because we had a product failure, because Everybody got put on, you know, we're, we're doing quarterly uh, reviews or QBRs. Right. And, and it gets you back into the deal. But I think the biggest mistake that sellers make is they just leave it hanging out there. And because they're busy doing other things, this deal gets stale. It gets old. And the next thing you know, or, or a new person has come in, a new sheriff has come in, a new boss. And if you're not still in it, then it's okay to cut bait because your time as a seller is valuable. Without a doubt. Yeah. And you may look at it and go, well, if I'm just calling and I don't have, and I don't, you know, I'm not that busy, but you got to, even if you, you, you have the time to do this, you got to look at your time as valuable because the people you're calling, their time is valuable. Without a doubt. You know, Gene, I'll take that a step further is, you know, I think we get lulled into the comfort of it, right? That's someone I can always call on. That's someone I can always have a conversation with. And we know it's really not going anywhere. What is that selling to Vito? I think you mentioned that offline, you know, the Seymour. Yeah, uh, they're just more of a friend, right? And I know they're really <laughs> never going to buy, but man, it feels good to have them in my pipeline that I can always lean on them and say, but if it does close, it's a half million dollars, Mr. VP of sales or sales manager. And I think we get lulled into that, especially as an early on salesperson. But I'll be honest with you. I, I still, you know, it takes a conscious effort for me to really put on some, I don't want to say pessimistic glasses, but realistic glasses and saying, hey, this thing hasn't moved. There's no action step. There's no next step dates. It's been in the same stage for 30 days, 40 days, 60 days. This is not a real opportunity. I got to kill it out or I got to find other ways in the door or running other steps in parallel to create some momentum. Typically, it, what I would say is if something's not moving in the pipe, you, you've done your intro meetings, you've done yeah. whatever demo you do, you've produced a quote and things right. die. Right. There has likely been a step missed by us or you as the seller that, that didn't have enough impact that said, 
we know you have this problem or we know you're trying to get this desired result and you're not, our widget, wadget, software, hardware solution helps you get there. And we, <clears throat> we do it in this unique way that ultimately gives them a benefit. And that could be better net promoter scores. That could be direct impact to the bottom line. It could be maybe they're experiencing hassle or delays or slowness with their current vendor. But if you haven't hit those marks, yeah. then the deal's going to slide. It, it's every, here's one thing about COVID is, you know, we're all, we all experience working from home and all that, but I have personally witnessed that the speed of business has changed in a rapid way. That, that now by you know nine o'clock in the morning, I work with a company headquartered out of Europe. I've already been on four or five different video meetings from starting at five in the morning, sometimes at four in the morning, because they're eight hours ahead of us. Yep. And, and, and then I'm starting my day. Then I've got a whole host of action items on top of the ones I had before. So if a seller can't get to the point and say what they want to say, uh, let alone the seller that's going, hey, I'd like to come by and meet with you. And I'm like, I don't got time for that. We can get on a Zoom or a Meet or a Teams right now, and you can have 15 minutes to get to the point and share with me what you know about my business and how you help us get to where we want to be. I don't want to have a face-to-face. -face. Like, I got to get ready and I got to show up and I got to sit down and I got to clean my desk up, right? I don't want to do that anymore. Right. No. One hundred percent. I mean, I, I think, you know, that, that kind of dovetails a bit into uh, it, it kind of dovetails into the cell phone conversation we were having earlier, because, you know, that's always been brewing. Do you, you know, I, I've been hit up a um, number of times. There's number of solutions that we have available to us where we can access cell phone numbers. And it's always been kind of that gray area. And then COVID hit right to your point, And now everyone's out of the office. And so you have to call cell phones. So now it really became not just a, a, the best way of reaching someone, but it really kind of just bubbled it up to the top where it became, hey, is this even a channel we should be calling on? Um, so I, I think COVID has exacerbated, has you know really put a, a lens on a lot of these things. But to, to your point, I, I think this, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you're right. If you're getting into these deals that are just taking forever and a day, you miss something along the way. And typically what happens is either they go completely dark on you, or that's when you get into objection handling. Because I've always found objection handling is really the ABCs of closing, I don't really believe exist anymore, if you will. I truly believe it's a natural evolution of the sales process. If you've done your due diligence and you've worked with the client and so on and so forth, those negotiations are natural parts of the deal. You know they want it. You know, you know they know you want the deal. Let's do the natural negotiation. But when you miss a step and it just becomes price-driven, commoditized, that's when you start getting into the race to zero. And you know what I mean? That I got to drop my price. It's the quarter-end price and all that stuff to try and drum up some momentum. And that's usually the kiss of death for a deal. Well, we, we can go on in another podcast. Yeah details of negotiating and, and, you know, the, but, but here, here's the one thing I say, let's talk about this. I, I've interviewed a lot of salespeople because I got to hire salespeople in my engineering company and they're technical sellers, right? This is a very complex sale. Yeah. And I'm going out on appointments with these guys. And I tell them as we're driving up, 
resist your urge to sell. And they look at me so perplexed, like, what are you talking about? I'm a sales guy. No, resist your urge to sell. Drop the sales speak. Drop the sounds good. You want to do it today, don't you? Drop it all. Go in there and teach them how to be a good buyer. Teach them about this complex subject of ground subsidence and earth moving. Teach them how to be a better buyer. And I promise you, the less you try to sell, the more they're going to buy. Do you buy into that? Without a doubt. I'll take it a step further. It should just be a conversation, right? It should be just like you and I are having a conversation, a natural flow. To, I, I, I come in prepared, just like you and I have both prepared for this podcast. You know where you want to get to. You know the path. But at the end of the day, that could take a number of different directions, right? That path you know, the journey to the end result could take a number of different paths for you. The key is just, let's just have a conversation. I don't know what I don't know. Like I I may think this, but let's just have a dialogue around. And you're right. That typically, when someone can relate to you just in a much more organic fashion, um, man, the barriers drop, you get to know them, you build a relationship with them. You get to understand really what's making them tick. Hey, what are they responsible for? What, why would this have an impact on them? That's where I hate to say selling because it's not selling. It's, it's just understanding and listening. And as a result of that, it's a mutually beneficial partnership. If that makes sense, Gene, of I have a need, you have what I need, let's do business. I hate the word I sold to them or I sold them something because that, that to some degree, that almost makes at least to some connotation that, hey, maybe maybe it wasn't a win-win. So I always like the terminology of, hey, do I have what you need? And does it fit the need at the time, if that makes sense, Gene? Totally makes sense. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll continue to elaborate on this. If somebody, if you're driving right now and you're listening to this, I hope you're soaking this up because it's, it's real gold from two guys that have been in the trenches for 20 years or 30 years for me that like, Gene, there's no way, Gene. I mean, you're only 23 years old, man. So there's no way you're going to But I'm like, resist your urge to sell. Be an expert at building rapport, right? And and there's so much content out there about building rapport, right? But 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 that is a strategy in itself. Secondarily, your next strategy is is asking questions in the right order. Right. Now, one of the groundbreaking books that I read that positively impacted my career as much as any book I ever read was Spin Selling by Neil Rackham. And what Neil Rackham said was, as he, he studied 10,000 salespeople and studied what they did in their sales calls, or he said it studied 10,000 sales calls of several thousand salespeople. That's what it was. And what he determined was the best sellers out, out of the, all those calls. Then he said, who are the top performers and what did they do different than the rest? And he said, the top performers were the ones that asked the questions. And he went on to say that it wasn't just asking questions. He said they had a very specific priority and order, which was the origin of the name of the book, Spin Selling. Understand their situation. Establish the problem understand the implications of that problem. In other words, what was that problem causing them? And then clarify and communicate the need payoff, your solution, how will that pay off to them? And 
because I, I was taught, you know, you, oh, you got to ask questions. Okay, great. I'm going to get in there and ask uh, questions. And I didn't have any, and I had to, I remember going into my first appointment when I learned just asking questions, I had like 25 questions written on a notepad. Like an I interrogation. I opened it up and the guy goes, you're not going to ask me all those, are you? And I went, uh, no, uh, I was dead in the water. I about got, I think I did get kicked out of that office. <laughs> Right. I write about it in my book, like I the, the worst appointment ever. I worked my butt off to get this appointment with the chief technology officer of uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield in Kansas City. And he let me in only because I called 20 some odd times. And I started I pulled out my laundry list and I had I had spent hours packing my briefcase with every brochure you could imagine. And I hope <laughs> he was, you're not going to ask me all those. And I'm like, uh no. And, and then I, and I started asking some really basic frontline level questions. And um, five minutes in, he said, we're going to end this meeting right now. And he said, don't ever get to somebody of my caliber without having questions that are pertaining to me. Right. I want to know what you have that's different and unique. I want to know what you have that's going to help me uh, either reduce my spend, increase the productivity of this company. He said, but if you're not buttoned up when you get here, don't ever come back. And that was a deal that was like, I'd already made, I had nothing going on in my territory. And I'm like, I got the big one. I'm landing the whale. I was on the call with all the other sellers. And I remember sitting in that parking lot having to go, what am I going to tell my boss? What am I going to do? And, but that, you know, sometimes our failures drive us to the next breakthrough. That caused me to go buy Neil Rackham's book, which was the best selling sales book in 1997, 1998. And then I bought Selling the Veto which was another top seller that uh, top selling book that was recommended to me. And I read yeah. those books and this is whatever I want everybody to get. I read the books and I did what those books said. Bingo. Like I, I didn't just read it and browse through and go, Oh, that's interesting. I'm like, I have no other choice. I have got to find somebody that's great at this and read their books and follow their steps and their sequences and say this, say that, do this, do that. And I had, I had no choice. I was either going to get fired or I was going to fight my way out. And thank God I fought my way out. And who would have thought, you know, 30 years later, that's what I do professionally is teach these things. And yep. so that's great. Hey, you know, I'll piggyback off that just for a minute. I know we, we, we probably need to transition, but, you know, you bring up such a great point. Um, and I've heard this a number of times from sales reps, like well, what training do they provide? Well, what, you know, ongoing training and yes, that is the responsibility of the company you work for, but it's also your responsibility as a sales rep. You should constantly be learning, investing in yourself, right? I mean, my goal is to read a book a week. That's my goal, right? And I read 10 pages a night or 20 minutes a night because I, I have a lot of things going on, but everyone could put aside 10 minutes to read three, four, five pages. And most of these books are not 25,000 pages. They're two, 300 you can get them knocked out in a week, two weeks. And to your point, you know, you're not, you're not gonna take all of it and you're not gonna digest it all and you're not gonna implement it all. You're not looking for everything. Just pull out one, two things that you can say, hey, I'm gonna try that. I wanna implement that. And I really wanna give it a shot. Don't just try it once, implement it for a week, a month, depending on what, what the technique is and really put it to practice. And if you do that on a consistent basis, Gene, that's where the improvement comes. That's not, that's where the spin selling, the challenger sales, proactive selling, all these different, Bant, you know, Medic, 
it's not meant to say, hey, this is the end all be all. It's take these things and learn and implement as you go. And, and I think that's, to your point earlier, I think that's what separates, you know, the, the great reps from, you know, the mediocre reps or whatever the case might be. Just wanted to elaborate a bit on that. Yeah, the bottom line is our job, whether you're management, leadership, marketing, or sales, is to, to move the deals down the pipeline, right? And whatever method you're using, if it's moving the deals in as good as everybody else, if not better, then great. Keep doing it and work to make it even better. But if you're not there, then you've got to find the system or the person or the group of people you're going to follow and listen to their stuff. And if you agree with it, you've got to go do it. Right. The one thing that everybody needs to hear right now is that your will, results will not change unless the habits of what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis change. What's the old saying, Gene? Uh, you can't expect different results doing the same thing, right? That's the definition of insanity, right? It's true, but in and it's it's almost it's we've heard that so much it's almost cliche. But you you got to be able to look in the mirror if you're missing a number and saying what do I need to do different? Yep. Is it the the quantity of what I'm doing? Is it the quality of what I'm doing? I can promise you, as a as a sales leader now a, a business owner or a partner in a business as an owner, that. I, I just, I want the deals in the final stage of the pipe. I want to see that they're getting converted. And if that seller made a hundred calls or made 10, you know, the, 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 the final step, which is revenue and margin per deal, but along with all the other factors, a great net promoter score, a great review from the client, you know, the service team did their job and did it, you know, better than what anybody was. When you overserve people, they tend to come back again and again and again. Right. Yep. Um, but that, that's the name of the game. So it, it, when you dumb it down and say, you got to make a hundred calls to set 10 appointments, to run four, to get two in the pipe, to get one to convert, right. That's just dumbing it down and I'm not belittling it. But at the end of the day, day, it's getting those deals into the final stage and converting them at a, at a you know, a, a acceptable profit margin. That's what matters. And if you're not doing that, then you got to up your activity. If you up your activity and you're not seeing an, an exp the same exponential increase, then you've got to change what you're saying. Yep. 100%. And if you have that mindset of constant adjustment, constant never-ending improvement, and you know, the the tactical seller, the tactical manager, the tactical leader simply believes that if we just do way more, we're going to get way more return. And that's a slow road to being miserable. The strategic executive says, how do we do it better? That doesn't just include a seller making more calls. That includes the marketing collateral they have. That includes all of the email work that your company's doing or not doing. That now includes your company's social media presence and your social media presence, right? All of that is necessary. Sam, what's your take on that? No, without a doubt. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, from a sales perspective, you, you've got to, I mean, you've got to have multiple, you know, what is it, arrows in your quill, right? You, you've got to be a multifaceted individual. You've got to know how to manage and juggle a number of things in any given time. 
right? And the resources and air cover from your company, from a marketing collateral, from a website standpoint, from social media, from retargeting, all the stuff that they should be doing to help you from an air standpoint um, is essential. But, you know, you hit the nail on the head earlier, Gene. I don't want to beat a dead horse. It's, but that's what I love about sales. Sales is really linear. Like, it, 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 there's not really a lot of gray. It's black and white. Did you hit your number? Did you not hit your number? And I know there are circumstances that we can say is out of our control, COVID, and I get all that. But, you know, that is really what we signed up for. And so if that's what you've signed up for and that's what you've chosen as your life's profession, then you, you need to invest in yourself and, and get those books and take those tools and resources and, and adapt them to a way that, to your point earlier, I don't care if it takes you 100 calls, if it takes you 10 calls, to get that deal done, that's fine. But you've got, but I think it goes to a bigger point, Gene, and we might be going down a rabbit hole is, you know, you got to know your numbers to begin with, because you got to know, it's what is it, activity and skill. Those are the only two things that, you know, you can really track and understand is the less skill you have, the more activity you got to do and vice versa. So I think as a sales rep, and that's one thing I did do early on in my sales careers, I tracked, I tracked my dials to contacts. I knew the days the hours I should be calling because I just tracked it copiously. I just did. And I knew that if I called someone at Tuesday between two and three, that my chance of getting a connect was about 80% greater than calling someone on Thursday at nine to 10 a.m. But those are the things you have to do through trial and error. No one's an expert, really. Everyone's still a student to really be better at your craft. That's exactly why I do this podcast, Sam. Because I, I get a chance to meet you and all the other experts, Tom Hopkins and Ben Gay. And I, I want to commend all the listeners out there that are forwarding this podcast to others. You know, we're not selling ads. I'm not trying to pitch my, you know, any coaching program. I run an engineering company. I'm not, I'm not going to get a, a new engineering client from a podcast. I'm doing this to bring experts to the listener. Now, your job, listener, is if you got value out of this, share first of all like this podcast subscribe and then send it to five people that's how you repay me and i i will keep bringing these great guests like sam the, the sales samurai like you better have a book out in the next two years sam or i'm coming after you brother uh i well gene as long as you maybe you co-author with me maybe uh maybe it'll come to fruition <laughs> look i tell you what you know chet holmes said this uh, having a book separates the men from the the boys of what he said back in 2007 um, I'm guessing that's a little politically incorrect these days, but, um, but he, he said that's that's what makes the difference. And if anybody's ever written a book, it takes everything to get that thing pushed across the finish line. And I'm not talking about just writing the book, publishing, graphic design, um, Amazon setup, Kindle setup, hardcover, softcover, like it takes an army to get it done. Not to mention the mindset games you go through, like like, you know, is anybody going to read this? What if I get a negative review? Right. There's a point, Sam, and, and this is for everybody that, that you know, you've spent 20, 25, 30 years studying this and doing this stuff. And, you know, you said this earlier, Sam, when we were offline in our, our kind of our pre-con meeting, like I made a lot of mistakes and I'm like, hey, join the club. Great. It takes a man to admit that or it takes an adult to admit that. But um, every mistake you make is, is not a loss if, if you learn from it. Like I start my book off saying, 
it was the worst meeting ever run. I, actually, I have two horror stories. One is when my boss called and said, you need to get something going or you're going to get let go. And the other one was finally getting that meeting and getting kicked out of that meeting. Now, that could have caused me to just say, look, sales isn't for me. Or I could say, I need to get better. You know, Jim Rohn said it. Don't wish it were easier. Wish you were better. Great and then sense. go get it. There is no short. You know, Sam, I say this. Like, you know, anything it is that we want to accomplish in life is documented somewhere on Google and there's YouTube videos about it. So if the information is out there and it's free and it's accessible 24 seven, why isn't everybody at the peak level of every area of their life? Yep. I agree with you. Uh, There's information has never been more accessible. There's really no excuse. Um, uh, making yourself better. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, in today's day and age, it's, nothing is further than a YouTube search or a Google search to the answer you're looking for. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, listen up. Um, go find Sam Capra, Sam, C-A-P-R-A on LinkedIn and get connected. And what I'd like you to do is go take that survey. It's right at the top of his all of his articles and everything he's writing. But go take that survey and get in the mix. LinkedIn is a beautiful program for content. And I want to remind everybody listening is that, you know, you can help other people by sharing your learnings and sharing your content and LinkedIn provides you a platform to do that. But you might say, well, I don't, I'm not good at writing and I, I, don't, I don't really feel like I want to do that. But you can also be a conduit of information to others. If you read a great article, send it out, share it to your LinkedIn group. You see something great that I post, comment on it and share it to your group. You can be a content of great information and help people all over the world. And like Sam's survey, that's really one of the ways we got together was so spot on. And I'm guessing that took you about 10 seconds to ask that question and set that survey up, didn't it, Sam? No, without a doubt, Gene. I mean, it was just top of mind. I think I was still sitting in the parking lot of the grocery store. It, it, that, that is the beauty. You're right. That's the beauty of the platform, right? I have, I have a distinct feeling people listening to this podcast right now have very similar questions, right? And that they can simply put that out on LinkedIn and say, hey, listen, you know, can I get some feedback on this? It doesn't have to all be that you're some thought leader or some expert. Just put out there, hey, I'm really struggling doing X, Y, and Z. Anyone have any tips, ideas, focal points, things that books that they would recommend? You would be shocked at how many people are out there that are willing to help you in your space, but you got to put yourself out there and you got to be engaged. All right, friends. Hey, thanks for listening. Reminder, share this podcast. If you got any value out of it, and I know you did if you listened this far, share it. I got all my uh, data last week, and it's amazing the the traction that this podcast is getting around the world. It's crazy. I was like, saw up this run in India and all over Europe and even places like like uh, hello in, in uh, Australia and New Zealand, if you're listening right now. That's super cool. I mean, there's no better compliment to see that you're sharing this. So keep up the good work. Go find Sam Capra, get on that survey, connect to this guy, share his stuff. This guy is a rock star and uh, I can't wait to read your book, The Sales Samurai. It's gonna be badass. Thank you, brother. It was an absolute pleasure being on the show. All right, thanks, Sam. Have a good day, everybody. Keep rocking.